gypsies in Romania, the war in Ukraine, making good decisions, finding our purpose and keeping the flame kindled hot inside of us. All this and more in this episode of the Remarkable People Podcast. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Remarkable People Podcast. Today, you are in for an amazing episode. Whether you are trying to help the Romanian gypsies, whether you are trying to help with the war in the Ukraine, whether you're trying to find ministries to be involved in, whether you're trying to reignite the passion in your heart, or whether you're lost and don't know what your purpose is in life, this episode covers it all and so much more. I urge you, listen to the entire episode. There is so much inspiration, there's so much gold nuggets, and there's so much in truth throughout Brent's journey. So today, I have the honor and pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Brent George, who I met way back at college 25 years ago at Pensacola Christian, and we've remained friends to today. And I've watched him where he was already such a great human, but grow into a passionate man of God who doesn't just talk about the highs and is super spiritual, but he's balanced and real. And his wife, Sarah, is amazing. And they have five fantastic kids. So check out this episode. We are going to ask you for money, but you're going to see it's going to go to a great cause. And you're going to see why you should help Brent because you're not really helping Brent. You're helping yourself. You're helping people in Romania. You're helping people in the Ukraine and you're doing everything for the glory of God. So whether you are a Christian or not, listen to this episode. It's going to help you. If you are a Christian, it's going to help you. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I promise it's going to help you or write me at the end and you can tell me how wrong I was. So at this time, let's listen to the Brent George story. Hey, Brent, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How about you? Man, I'm fantastic, and I am so excited to catch up with you, and we get to do it live with our community all around the world. How's that sound? It's going to be a good day. Yeah, man. So I just told our listeners about you, but for the few that fast forward past the introduction, I just want you to know quickly, we are going to ask you for money, 100%, but you're going to hear why it's such a good cause. So don't worry. You can listen to this episode and not pay a dime. But at the end, you're going to hear about God. You're going to hear about what he's doing in Romania. You're going to hear about Brent and his life and the man he is. You might even hear a little bit about how he and I met, right? We met 25 years ago at Pensacola Christian College, and we've been friends ever since. So this is an honor and a true like personal blessing that we get to do this episode. So Brent, at this time, let's go through your story. And then for our listeners, just like always, we're going to go through the past the all the way to the present, then we're in a transition to where's Brent today? Where's the ministry? Where's it going? So after he helps us with all these life truths and growth tips, now we can help him and we can help glorify God by supporting this great ministry. And you're like, well, what is he talking about? So let's just get started. Brent, let's talk about your background. Where are you from? What was your upbringing life? And we'll just go chronologically through your life, my friend. Yeah, all right. So uh, I was actually born uh, on the east coast of Canada, uh, New Brunswick is the place where I was born. Uh, that's where I spent the first uh, 19, 20 years of my life. And we won't uh, hold that against you for the rest of this episode, I promise. We have listeners from all over the world. That's good. So, uh, yeah, so uh, 20 years I was there. Um, I My parents... Uh, were not saved when they met. And um, it was actually right around the time I was born. Um, the next door neighbor was a pastor. And uh, he used to take my older brother to church with him every Sunday. And my parents just looked at that as a way to, you know, for them to get rid of him for the Sunday morning. Uh, they had a chance to sleep in or do whatever they wanted. Um, but 
whenever my brother was involved in Christmas concerts or children's uh, singing in, in the church service or things like that, my parents would go. And uh, through that, as well as the uh, testimony of our next door neighbor, uh, my parents ended up getting saved. And so when I was born, I grew up going to church right from day one. Um, and quickly, team, we have listeners from over 105 countries, 2,400 okay. cities, all backgrounds, all different worldviews. Sure. Briefly despite what does saved mean? Yeah, okay. So, um, so when I'm talking about saved, of course, the idea is uh, because of sin, all of us are sinners, all of us have sin in our lives, and therefore we're separated from the creator God. Uh, but because of the great love that this God has for us, he came to earth. Uh, he allowed himself to be crucified on the cross. He was resurrected three days later. And because of that, uh, we are now able to be saved from the punishment of our sins. So in other words, because I'm a sinner, uh, our belief is that I deserve to be separated from God for eternity. But because he made a way of salvation, if I have faith in him, I can be forgiven of my sins and then I can have eternal life. So when we talk about being saved, we're talking about being saved from the eternal punishment of our sins. So this is something that my parents came to believe, again, like around the same time I was born. So I grew up going to church. I grew up learning about these things, these truths from, from the Bible. Um, I became a teenager, and uh, I was really torn for several years. Um, most of my friends did not believe in this, this uh, gospel, this, this uh, way of salvation, and uh, so I was torn between, you know, going out, going to the parties with my friends, doing the things they were doing, but at the same time, knowing that it was wrong what I was doing and wanting to be right with God. And so my entire teen years, I was going back and forth, uh, got towards the end of high school. And um, throughout my high school years, I really was trying to do what was right. I was trying to be involved in my church, be involved in different kinds of ministries, and uh, it was my last year of high school. Uh, one of the pastors from my church, the youth pastor, uh, picked me up at school, took me out for lunch. And he said, have you thought about becoming uh, uh, involved in ministry, like a full-time ministry? And uh, I had not thought about that. But after that conversation, I went home, I prayed, I thought about it a lot and uh, came to the conclusion that that is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be involved somehow in reaching teenagers, reaching children, and uh, teaching them about God and about his word. Now, when you were doing that, you were the second child. Along the way, did you have more brothers and sisters, or did your parents just stick to the two of you? Yeah, I had one more brother that came along two years after me. Nice. Th three yeah. boy Georges, huh? So yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just messing. Me and him have been friends a long time, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go back to so your overall upbringing. Your parents started going to a church. They preached the gospel. Um, you trusted Christ as your savior. And again, just to clarify, we're all born and we all die. Those are constants. I don't care what country you're from, what culture you're from. It's the same. And within that, it says it's a point unto man once to die than the judgment. And like Brent said, God loves us. He doesn't want us to go into the lake of fire forever to be burned and to be tormented. He does not want that. He is a just God, though, and he can't allow evil into a pure place, a holy place of eternity. So what Brent was talking about with salvation was he was saved from an eternity in hell because of Jesus. Jesus died for us and he's the sacrifice and God did that because he loves us. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And the Bible talks about that all over. Um, but because of our choices and our sins, like your sin, my sin, Brent's sins, God says, I'll forgive everything. You just need to ask. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, will be, 100%. So now, Brent, you're at high school. You're at a pivotal point of life. Most people are thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to work? Am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do? Am I going to have kids? You're right. We're all in that teenage blur. 
So now your, your youth pastor sits down with you and you decide to go to college and to go into the ministry. So what does that journey look like? Like, how did you go from that moment to Pensacola Christian? Yeah. So that was a, that was a weird time for me because I didn't know anybody that went into the ministry. I didn't know anybody that went to Christian college. So here I was, I didn't know anything about Christian colleges. You know, I had heard about a couple before, but didn't know anything about them. Uh, so I talked to my youth pastor and I told him, look, I'm, I want to do this, but I need you to help me find uh, a Christian college that I can go and study at. And uh, so he did some research for me and uh, he sent me some packets of information from a few different schools. And uh, so when it comes down to it, this was not a big spiritual decision for me because this is how it happened. He gave me information for two Christian schools that were in northern Canada and one that was in Florida. Right. So for a kid that grew up, out in, you know, in the snowy north, uh, it was an easy decision without knowing really anything about the school. I said, Florida. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to go to. And uh, so that's how I ended up at Pensacola Christian College down in Florida. Yeah. And let's stop there. Let's that be our next talking point for myself, for Brent, for all of us we all have decisions to make. And sometimes we, we struggle and agonize over decisions and there is prayer. And Brent, I want you to go into how, how do you make decisions? But what recognize what Brent just said, even in our moments of just, sometimes we fail ourselves to success or we just, it comes so natural, like Mm -hmm. God already put in his heart, Brent's heart. Let's get out of the snow. Let's go tan. Right. But (laughs) Ultimately, it all works out. All things work together for good to them that love God. So for our listeners, Brent, some people get crippled when they're trying to make decisions. because They want so much to please God. What are some tips you have for those people now needing to make decisions in their lives and they're just crippled and paralyzed? Yeah. Okay. So again, for, for me, from my standpoint, my worldview is all about God, all about his word. Um, so you know, I'm not like a marginal Christian. I've given my life to God and I want to do everything I do. I want to please him. And so I'm very serious when I'm making decisions about trying to figure out what he wants for me to do, what his will is for me to do. So even my coming to Romania, uh, that was another big decision where I had to be sure I knew what God's will was for my life. So I've spent a lot of time studying the Bible about what is God's will? How do we discern God's will for our lives? And so if I can just kind of boil everything down real quick, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, the major thing you need to do is have a relationship with him. In other words, live your life the way that you uh, ought to be living your life. And, and these thoughts actually come from Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. If, you're, if you know, your listeners want to look those up, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, if you boil those two verses down, that is the idea. Live the life that God wants you to live. That will allow you to have a close relationship with him. And then he puts desires on your heart, right? The closer I am to God, the more my desires line up with his desires. And so step one to knowing God's will for your life is living the life that he has called you to live. And then when I want to know his will for a specific situation in my life, I go to him, I spend time alone with him, I pray with him, and then God just puts that desire on my heart. Amen. And sometimes it takes prayer, Some it always takes prayer. But what I'm saying is like, Brent, I think you'll agree. Sometimes it happens very fast. And sometimes it takes weeks, months, years. The answers don't always come at our speed, but they always come at the perfect time. Would you agree? Or do you think that's wrong? No, that's, that's absolutely it. And, and, and that still goes along with what I was saying. If I'm living a life close to God, having a relationship with him, then a lot of times, like you said, those decisions just, they just come. It's like instantaneous. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it's the times in my life where I've drifted, where I've gone off and done things that I'm not supposed to do. Uh, then it becomes harder for me to discern God's will for my life. But if I stay close to him, then generally right away, I can figure out what his will is. Another thing that you said, Dave, another thing that you said that I liked is, is the idea of things work out. God, God causes things to work out. And so as long as we're trying, 
we're trying to find his will. We might make a mistake. We might go off in the wrong direction and not choose what his will was for my life. But as long as I'm trying, he's, he's going to understand and he's going he's gonna, to uh, uh, work that out. He's going to bring me back around to the place where I was supposed to be. Yeah, 100%. And we need to examine ourselves because what Brent's saying, when we're just doing our best with sincere intentions, don't worry about it. God is going to work it out, even if we make bad choices and mistakes. But when you're faking and lying to yourself, God and others, and you're like, oh, I'm doing my best and you're not. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. But what Brent's talking about is sincerity of heart and truly seeking God's will. And then don't be so afraid. Just start making decisions. Because I'm sure Brent, myself, you, we've all made decisions that were completely stupid and they worked out fantastic because God's in it. So let's talk about this. You got a young man from Canada. You come to Pensacola Christian. And I love Pensacola Christian. I came back and ended up teaching there for three years. Um, You were there. You loved it. But it's a different place and culture. So when you go from Canada (laughs) to the United States to the southern United States to a conservative Christian college, what was that culturally like and what was socially like? Yeah, so it was shocking for me, for sure. Like I said, you know, my friends weren't most of them weren't really serious about God, about their faith, about Christianity. And uh, so, yeah, it was a very uh, liberal part of the world up there. And then all of a sudden I end up at this college and I get the rule book and I'm reading them. And I I almost thought it was a joke at first. Some of the rules, it was so strict. Me too. The things (laughs) to know before arrival book. I got that the day I was leaving yeah. The day I was packing and the next day I was driving to Pensacola from outside of Boston and my mom and best friend were reading it to me, laughing at me. I'm like, that's not real. They just put that in, you know, and it's a rule, but there's a rule in Massachusetts. You have to shower before midnight. Nobody enforces those rules. Sure enough, they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I, I couldn't believe some of the stuff. And, and I didn't even get the book before I left. I got the book when I got to campus. Oh, uh, yeah. So my parents actually drove me down and uh, made a little vacation of it on the way. And we got there and I got the rules and somebody was uh, like first day there. I walked in one of the buildings to register and the lady says, you must be a freshman. I said, yeah. She said, uh, OK, well, you can't wear shorts in this building. And I was looking around thinking, well, what's so important about this building that you can't wear shorts? And I found out you can't wear shorts in <laughs> almost any of the buildings down there. Uh, but I, I got through and I uh, told my parents before I left, before they left, I said, look, I said, I'm going to do my best, but I'll probably be home in about a week because I don't think I'm going to last here. And I remember my mom just saying, Brent, just do your best, do what you can. And uh, what did it for me, what, what got me through that first year really was my roommates. Uh, my roommates were, were great. Um, they wanted to do what's right. I, at least back then, I was the kind of person where if I was surrounded people that were trying to get away with stuff, I would have tried to get away with stuff with them. But because I was surrounded with people that wanted to do what was right, I was surrounded by people of integrity. Um, that helped me get through that first year. And then after that, you know, I was set. I, I, I realized that I wanted to do what was right. And so I was I could be the roommate that tried to help other people get through their first years after that. Yeah. And when Brent and I joke about the rules, listen, West Point, a military academy, their rules are far (laughs) more strict than Pensacola Christian College. But it's not that wearing shorts is evil. They just had a dress code and they have a modality of how they do things. And they were just trying to create people who have self-discipline. And Brent and I both had a massive culture shock and it was hard for us. But again, Gave gave us a strength. We adapted. We overcame. And it taught us self-discipline. And I don't want to speak for you, but for me, it wasn't that I got through and got a degree or my grades. The most, what's the word? Like the biggest fulfillment I felt was the achievement of making it through the system because it was so hard. Did you feel that way? Well, for me, what it was is um, seeing the change in my own life, which I didn't see at first, but I went home after that first year. And people were saying, man, you've changed, you've changed, you've changed. And then I started looking at my life. and I was like, you know what? I did change. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just through academics or it wasn't just because, you know, they were they were putting all these rules on me and I was forced to conform. 
it was, again, it goes back to a lot of it was the, the preaching, what I was learning from the word of God. For the first time in my life, I was really understanding the Bible and what it means to have a relationship with God. And uh, that changed me forever. More than my classes, it was just the, the religious aspect of things that really changed my life. Amen. And talk about it. So you get to Pensacola, your, your parents leave, you have a great first year. You have, again, who we surround ourselves or who we start thinking like good or bad. So you get through that first year, you go home, people see the change, you reflect and see the change. And then where does your story go from there? Because I know you met a great woman along the way, and I know you're in the mission field. So bring us from that first year into the end of college. Yeah. All right. So uh, it was, uh, I'm trying to think. And right at the very end, like the last week of that first year, uh, I went to a, like a birthday party, I guess it was, and uh, Sarah was there too. And so that was when we first met. Uh, didn't really have any interest in each other at that time. Uh, but when we came back our next year, a lot of the, the people that Sarah had hung out with had left. And so she started hanging out with me and my friends during our sophomore year. And uh, so we hung out. Things were good. We started getting closer, becoming really good friends. Uh, then right at the end of our sophomore year, I guess, is when we started dating. Uh, so we dated all through the junior year. Right at the end of the junior year uh, is when we got engaged. So we were engaged through our senior year. And then right after graduation is when we got married. Um, I decided to uh, uh, stay at the college as a graduate assistant. Uh, so I could take seminary classes too. Um, but it was, it was right during this time, around the time where we graduated, started seminary, got married, all connected in that time is when, um, we, we started trying to figure out what exactly is it that God wants us to do with our lives. Okay. So again, I, I wanted to be involved in children's ministry or, or team ministry or camp ministry. And with all these things, I thought we would end up in Canada or the U S uh, probably as a youth pastor or working at a camp. Um, I didn't even think about missions because to me, missions was going to the jungles of Africa and, you know, hacking your way through the jungle to build a bamboo church. That was my idea of missionaries. Um, but while I was at Pensacola, uh, I was introduced to a missionary that was in Europe uh, and he was trying to buy a camp property. And that was the first time I started thinking, well, wait a minute, God could use us anywhere, not just here in Canada or the U.S. Um, and so as we got towards the end of our, our or my uh, seminary time, we started looking for opportunities where we could go to other countries to serve. And we found all these different opportunities, but none of them seemed to be what God had for us. So again, it was it wasn't that there's something wrong with these opportunities. It was God just wasn't giving me peace in my heart, wasn't putting that real desire in my heart. And so we kept passing up on these things. All right. So this is where the story gets interesting. We get to the point where we're kind of frustrated. Hey, can I, I actually graduate? pause you for one second? Yeah. You're unpacking yeah. so much gold that people you're taking <laughs> for granted in a way because it's just life for you. And our <laughs> listeners, we pass by some of the most just amazing points that God made. But, you know, the Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thought shall be established. So for your freshman, yeah. sophomore, junior year of college, you and Sarah weren't just sitting there partying, going to classes, and that's the end of it. You were being involved. You were doing things. You were in the word and you were letting God groom you for, you didn't know what, but for whatever he had for you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So again, it was the, you know, the church services and the chapel and the preaching was great for us. We were growing through that. We were studying our Bibles. We were praying together. Um, and so we were growing that way. Uh, but yeah, we were also trying to be involved. Um, you know, I would spend my weekends a lot of times going uh, to do different uh, Bible clubs in town. Uh, I was going over to Alabama into projects, trying to work with the kids and the teens there. Um, which, you know, I didn't, I didn't think of that as preparing for the future. Um, but now when I look back at it, I say, oh man, God, you know, God put me in those projects because the people there is it, a lot like the situation where I am with the gypsies here in Romania. So God really used those years, not just to prepare me through my classes, but everything I did during those years, God was getting me ready for what I'm doing now. 
Yeah. And I want, you know, this whole show is about being real and transparent. I know in my own life, there's times where I was dead spiritually. But when I started doing and acting, the love and the passion came back. So every Saturday and every Sunday, when you're exhausted from classes, you were always just, let's get up and go right to the, to the <laughs> clubs. Right. Was it like that? Or was it, what's the real story? Cause you do enjoy and you do love and it do, does grow. But for people listening, like, I don't have that love, so it must not be for me. What advice do you yeah. have for them, Brian? No. So, okay. A couple of things you need to remember. One, this was the first time where I was really being fed spiritually. So there's this excitement to me for me. It, it, it's like when the Bible talks about your, your first love, going back to your first love. This was me experiencing my first love. I was so excited about God and what I was learning. I just wanted to serve him. But yeah, you know, over time, if we're not careful, we can begin to get away from that first love. And all of a sudden it becomes a chore when we have to serve him. And that happens. Um, but yeah, the advice I would give, and I believe it's biblical advice, uh, we won't go into all the verses, but even when you're, when, you're, when you're not feeling it, when you're not really excited about doing it, keep doing it, keep serving, and God will bring that excitement back. He'll bring that faith back and you'll continue to grow. Yeah. And then I do want to throw a balance point out there just to clarify. I opened the can. Yeah. I want to make sure we're clear. A false balance is abomination to the Lord. God loves mm-hmm. balance. I mean, how many verses in Proverbs alone does he talk about balance, right? If you're too yeah. far left, you're too far right. That's crazy. You need to be balanced. So sure. when Brent says, keep going, and when I'm saying keep going, that's true. But there is a point where people can get involved in so many things in the ministry out of obligation or just because they feel guilt. Don't do that. Listen to God's leading. Listen to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Follow what you love. It, like, I don't like little kids. I'll throw them out a window. <laughs> I love teenagers, right? I love teenagers and adults. So I'm not going to go to a children's ministry because that's just not who God made me to be. So I just want to make sure we preface that. Make sure you're finding balance. Um, don't, because there is a real thing as Christian Berno. And that's what I love about Brent and Seth Myers. These guys we met in college. It's not, he's going to talk about his life and it's not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It's ups and downs, but he stayed consistent and didn't get burned out. So you talked about that love of your, you know, the joy of your youth and of the blessings. And you talked about, um, that first love, that fresh love. Talk about, how do you keep that going? And it may tie into more in the story down the road, but briefly for Christians who are burned out, gave up, they're starting to get polluted by the world. Um, I can't tell you personally how many people I know myself included so easy to get lured away, but they're getting into stuff that's really perverse and sick and they're doing it under the auspice of Christianity. How do you keep that fresh love of God in your heart and that excitement? Yeah. So again, I mean, I, I know I keep coming easy back questions this. on this podcast, right? Easy questions. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, it keeps coming back to your relationship with God. Um, you know, when when you get to the point where you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, and you stop, you stop studying the Word, you stop reading your Bible, you stop praying, you stop having that relationship, then you drift very quickly. You don't even realize how quickly you're drifting away. Uh, so you got to keep that relationship with your father. I tell people all the time, I say, look, I love my wife. Uh, Since I've been married, there has never been a day when I have not talked to my wife. Even if I'm gone somewhere, we're still, you know, texting or calling each other. We talk every day. How can we expect to have a relationship with our father if if we're not talking to him, if we're not trying to have that relationship? And so all of our power, all of our ability to do the things we do comes from him. So if I'm drifting away from him, then, yeah, I'm going to get burned out because I'm not relying on him anymore. Um, another point that you made with, uh, you know, the, the doing too much and getting burned out and all this. It's like you said, you've got to figure out what God wants you to do. What did God create you for? Right? God created me for ministry. And so that's why I do the things that I do. If I'm not doing ministry You know, if I go a couple of weeks without preaching or something or, you know, doing some type of ministry, I feel horrible. I get really agitated and I feel horrible because that's what God created me to do. You got to figure out what God created you to do and then be faithful to that. Continue doing what he created you to do uh, to further his kingdom. Amen. 
100% agree. Uh, when you were talking to how hard is it to get in shape physically, right? It takes, yeah. you work every day at it. Yeah. But then you sit on your butt on the couch with ice cream and watch filthy TV and you don't even realize how quick it goes. But the good news is every day, every minute's a fresh start. We just have to go to our father and re-engage and just fix, yep. keep working on that relationship and ourselves. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have a slight delay. Brent's in Romania. So I, and <laughs> I'm here in America. So I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. Um, so now we have you. You went through college. You met the love of your life. You get married. You met the two loves of your life, God and Sarah. And yeah. then you go to graduate school and you're like, oh, this sounds great, but it's not for me. This sounds great, but it's not for me. This sounds great, but it's not for me. So pick up the story there. All right. So yeah, this is, this is the cool part. All right. So. And before you go, I just want to tell the listeners, Sarah is the bomb. I love Sarah. I love her in college <laughs> and I love her now. She's fantastic. So you got a Proverbs 31 woman, man. I, I think she's all right too. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, you just like the name. You like, you like the name Sarah, don't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we'll, we'll go through that later, but keep going, man. All right. So we get, uh, um, so she go, okay. So we get to the point where we're frustrated. All right. This isn't God's will. This isn't God's will. This isn't God's will. What is his will? We don't know. All right. Let's buy a house here in Florida. Let's just, uh, you know, get a job, work for five years, maybe. And then after that, we'll start thinking about um, the future, about ministry and missions and all of that. So she goes over to our friend's house and uh, our friend, she grew up as a missionary kid in Germany. And uh, we thought her parents were still in Germany. My wife goes over to her house and, and, and relays what I just said. You know, we're just frustrated. We don't know what to do. This is what our plan is to buy a house. And then my wife says, and this isn't something we really talked about ever, but she says, I think someday Brent would like to end up in Romania. Okay, I'm, I'm actually half Romanian. My dad's side of the family came to Canada from Romania. Um, so I've always had this desire to at least visit Romania. So my wife says, I think Brent someday would like to end up in Romania. And um, our friend says, well, my parents are in Romania right now. Like, wait, I, you know, I thought they were in Germany. What's going on? Well, they were in Germany. And during communist times in Romania, they used to smuggle in materials and Bibles and things into Romania. And uh, so when the country opened up, they kind of retired from the ministry in Germany, decided they didn't want to be completely done with ministry. And so they came to Romania. So the next day I got an email from people in Romania saying, Brent, why don't you come over this coming summer? and uh, spend, uh, spend the summer working in our summer camp in Romania, and we'll see what God does. And so this is where I said, okay, wait a minute, this sounds awesome, this is great, but I had these other opportunities that sounded pretty cool too. How do I know this is the right one? And so this is where I got away with God, and I spent a weekend um, studying God's word. And this is where he gave me these verses in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, and these are the verses where God taught me, look, if you're living a separated Christian life, if you're serving me, if you're studying God's word, then I'm putting desires on your heart. And so it was that weekend I said, wait a minute, God, I've had this desire for Romania for so many years. That's you telling me your will. And so uh, I went in Monday and uh, basically I quit my job on Monday and uh, that summer, we came over to Romania, fell in love with it the first day. And uh, pretty much as soon as I got into the country, I knew this is where God has us for the rest of our lives. So at the end of that summer, we went back to the U.S. and uh, we started traveling around, raising our support so that we could move full time to Romania. Awesome. And then what has life been? What year was that when that decision was made? Uh, so 2004. 2004. And then yeah. from the time you started traveling to raise support, because if you're listening and you don't understand, it takes money. <laughs> Money's a tool. Money isn't like anything important. Money's just a tool. It's a currency. It's just something we need to do the things that we need to do or, the, you know, buy the things we need to eat or live. <coughs> so Brent and Sarah went around what a lot of people refer to as deputation. And they that's the correct term, right? Deputation. Yeah, some people use deputation, some use pre-field ministry, both the same thing. Yeah, and so the 
the goal of that is to go around to get churches to support you financially and you know churches who are tied to the same vision as as christ and then they will fund you while you're overseas doing god's work full-time so you don't have to be distracted and so you can carry i'm sure there's certain legalities when you're in another country yep. so how yep. long did it take you during that deputation because sometimes it's well, two months sometimes it's two years yeah yeah average is going up and up and up it's getting worse so it was weird for us because uh so we're talking summer of 2004 we came back to we got back to florida and um that was the end of the summer when uh one of the hurricanes came through uh pensacola and so we actually had a place lined up where we we're gonna live and uh it was somebody that had a house on stilts and there was no flooding so they filled in the stilts and made a little apartment down there uh well when the hurricane came through it destroyed it it uh, flooded it it blew it apart and so we all of a sudden had nowhere to live uh, so our whole beginning deputation plans were ruined. Um, so we ended up going up to Michigan. That's where my wife is from. And, uh, you know, we spent like eight months living there trying to figure out what we're going to do, where we're going to base ourselves out of trying to get the ball rolling. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it got into 2005 before we really got rolling. And uh, by the time we had all of our money raised and we were ready to go, uh, we got to Romania in January of 2009. So it was, it was a trek. Yeah. And so for people listening, Brent, what was going in, on inside you and Sarah? I mean, you're there, you're willing, God's calling you the mission field. Yeah. It's where your heart is. And yet there's this giant multi-year gap. What was that like? Um, honestly, it was pretty horrible at the time <laughs> we were going through it. It really was. Uh, I mean, to the point where the stress and everything uh, affected our marriage. I mean, we were having a hard time because everything was just so stressful and we were so angry and we didn't know what was going on and why we couldn't just get to Romania. Um, yeah, it was stressful. It really was. Um, but every time we got to the point where we were like, this is ridiculous, like, just give up. Why are we still doing this? God would just do something encouraging, you know, you know, maybe a new church would take us on or we'd book a new meeting or something. And God just kept like giving us a little bit of encouragement to keep us going, to make us through to that, to that end. Um, once we finally got over here in January, 2009, we got over and uh, we realized that the ministry that we originally came to work with, it's a fairly big ministry and it had a handful of missionaries. There was a lot of arguing going on um, during those years that we were gone and it got to the point where some of the missionaries left and some of them stayed and it was this big split. And we realized if God had allowed us to get to Romania any earlier, we would have been in the middle of that. And we would have had to be choosing sides and we would have had to figure out where we were going to go. But God saved us from that. Like during it, it was a horrible experience. But when we got to the end and looked back, we said, oh, man, that whole thing was God protecting us from what was going on over here. Yes. And again, if you don't have a full experience with missionaries trying to raise support, at least within America, you know, you have pleasure travel, you have business travel and business travel gets old quick. But when you're on deputation, you're staying at different churches, sometimes in a facility at the church. Sometimes you're staying at strangers. A lot of times you're staying at strangers houses and sometimes yeah. they're not the best conditions. Sometimes they're not even nice <laughs> to you. So this is just a constant kind of like exhaustion that they're going through to serve God, but listening to you, I'm seeing you and hearing you get beat up, but I'm yeah. also seeing God toughening you. Cause if you're not going to quit on the, that part of the stage of your journey, yeah, it's going to make it, make you stronger not to quit in the battle. So, yeah. so talk to us. Now you get to Romania, you get to this ministry and there was just a split and ladies and gentlemen, we're humans. We're flawed. <coughs> Even in the Bible, the apostles split at times. You know, we don't always agree. We read there's there's truth and fact of the Bible that's not arguable, even though sometimes people argue it. It's it's unarguable, right? But then there's other things where we, all right, I choose to go one way and Brent choose to approach something differently. And we should in love talk to each other and try to sharpen each other because either Brent's right and I'm wrong or I'm right and Brent's wrong, or both right and God, both wrong and God's right. So we should always be seeking the truth and sharpening each other. 
but sadly it doesn't always work so nicely. So you get to a uh, ministry that just kind of split and pick us up in your story from there. Yeah. Well, things didn't get a lot better (laughs) once we first got here. Um, I didn't really know anything about being a missionary. Right. So that's why I came over and I was working in an already established ministry because I needed somebody to help teach me, to train me, to mentor me. So uh, my mentor was the missionary that was running this camp and uh, he has cancer when we get here. And uh, we spent maybe three months with him and he had to go back to the U S and pretty shortly thereafter uh, he passed away from the cancer. And so now here I am, this new kid that just got into the country, don't even hardly know the language. And I'm the only missionary in this ministry. Uh, but thankfully, there were two Romanians that the other missionary had trained. And so the three of us were trying to run this big ministry by ourselves. I mean, this one, I, I keep talking about a camp ministry. It was a big camp during the summers. But then all year long, it was a Bible Institute training, uh, you know, a new generation of Romanian pastors. Um, and uh, we were planting churches and villages around the area. So it was a big ministry and a big responsibility for us. And here's my mentor. You know, God takes him home. Once again, thrown in the fire, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to burn out, like what it talks about, burn off the gold and the silver, the, the dross. It scrapes yeah. away and you're just more pure. Yeah. All right. So now you're in this super easy and doesn't affect your relationship with Sarah. And did you start having kids yet? Oh, man, we, we were traveling, raising support with uh, three kids already. Woo! You guys do get yeah. along great. All right. Yeah. So now you're in the mission field and all this is going on. So what happens? All right. So uh, things kind of settle in, you know, me and the two Romanian guys, we kind of figure each other out, figure out our, what our roles are going to be. And things seem to be going all right. Um, and for the first couple of years, I'm loving it. Things are going great. I'm seeing God work. Churches planted, kids coming to the camp, hearing the gospel. It was awesome. Um, slowly but surely, especially as I learned the language a little bit better, and uh, I can understand what's going on a little bit better. I discovered that uh, not everybody in the ministry um, was doing what they should be doing. All right. So I see, I see uh, funds being misused. I see uh, lies being told. And uh, all of a sudden, it's really discouraging. And so I get to this point where instead of just being on fire and loving what I'm doing and, and teaching and preaching and loving it, I'm getting to the point where because of what's going on around me, like I just lost the fire. Like I'm still teaching, I'm still preaching, but I didn't even really want to be there. It was that bad. Um, So for the next two years, I'm working with these guys and uh, I'm trying to show them that there needs to be a change. But after two years, there was no change. Uh, It was getting worse if, if, if anything. And so it got to the point where I said, okay, you know what, I need to, I need to leave this ministry. And I stepped away as I'm sorry, guys, I just, I can't do this. I cannot be trying to serve God unless all of us together as a team are totally dedicated to God. And so I had to step away from that ministry. Wow. And that's a sad, but true scenario that we see all too much. Um, Jesus was completely holy and pure. He had 11, 12 disciples and one of them betrayed him. Right. So there's always, if you think you can lead without any kind of issues, forget that you're that's unbiblical in itself, right? Expect issues, but it's heartbreaking. And Brent said he lost the fire. So what happens from there and how did you rekindle that fire? How did God rekindle that fire in you? So one of my, uh, one of the guys that graduated from the Bible Institute, the very first year I was there, it was his graduation year. Uh, he's a gypsy and uh, lives in a gypsy village in northern Romania. And he comes to me around that same time and says, look, me and my dad, we want to plant church in two villages over near us. Will you come help us? I said, all right, this is a great. This is, you know, this is what I want to do. This is a new start. And uh, so I go and start. Uh, trying to help these guys plant churches. And uh, that became my new ministry. That has been my ministry for the last seven years is working with these guys, uh, planting churches in the gypsy villages. And so once I got away from 
the other ministry, um, you know, and that ministry is still going and they're still serving the Lord. And, you know, I don't want to disparage them at all, but I just, when I got away, I felt this whole new freedom and, um, I, the fire came back. The fire really did come back. And so there we start planting churches and we're seeing people getting saved and people wanting to be baptized. And I start developing relationships with the gypsies in these villages and I'm helping them and I'm seeing them grow in their lives spiritually. And the excitement came back. And, and so for the last six, seven years, um, it's been great. It's really been great. It was hard at first. We got through that hard time. And now the God, God has just been blessing. And let, let, I want to talk about two points that are ringing in my head right now. Number one, did you know Mike in college who got saved and he was a gypsy? He was on our floor one year. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. He was in our collegian too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. I, so I just, he, I, I'm just listening to you tell a story and we talked about how so many things happen in our experience. And um, I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if you learned anything from Mike back then or if it was just coincidence but do us a favor most people around the world don't know what a gypsy is they they think right. of a bad disney scene right so what's <laughs> a real gypsy and who are you ministering to right right yeah covered wagons and crystal balls is what people think <laughs> yeah yeah uh no so uh so the you know the way i understand it gypsies are actually a, a people group that came out of india hundreds of years ago um, so it's a natural ethnic group. It's not a way of life. It's an ethnicity. Um, so they came out of India several hundred years ago. They spread around the world, uh, like, for instance, Mikey there all the way in America. But um, the highest concentration of them is in Romania. And I don't know why, but that's that's the way it is. A lot of them are in Romania for some reason. Uh, so there are different types of gypsies as far as their culture goes. So the ones that I work with, though, um, they uh, live in their little villages, um, and most of them never leave their village. That's where they're born. That's where they stay. Um, they don't really go outside of their village very often. Uh, they only marry other gypsies. They're very proud of their heritage. Um, but at the same time, there's extreme racism against them here in Romania and really all over Europe. Uh, the gypsies are hated people, unfortunately. Um, so we've got gypsies that are, uh, um, you know, they, they travel around Europe. Romania is part of the European Union now, so they can travel. Um, they'll go and uh, they'll uh, um, be maybe in Spain. And uh, maybe some gypsy gets caught, you know, committing some crime. And the local newspapers talk about how these terrible Romanian people are doing all these crimes. And then the Romanians are mad at the gypsies because they're saying, no, it's not us, it's the gypsies. And so the racism gets even worse against the gypsy people because they are, the Romanians look at them as, as ruining their reputation all across the continent. Um, so I, you know, I've seen horrible things. I've seen, uh, I've seen Romanian people you know, just telling uh, the gypsies that they're trash, that they're a cancer, that they're worth nothing. Uh, I've seen in churches, I've seen the people uh, be, uh, show racism towards the gypsies. So it's a, it's a people group that nobody really wants to have anything to do with. Um, now this kind of opens some doors for us because uh, we go into a village and um, you know the Orthodox priest uh, that sometimes might not be open to a, a missionary coming in if I'm working with the gypsies, they don't care because they don't want to work with the gypsies. Or, uh, you know, mayor, the mayor of the towns are usually so thrilled that we're just doing something to try and help control the gypsies that they'll do whatever we want. You know, the mayors are really open to helping us uh, just because they like to see the change that's happening in the gypsies' lives when we get there and we start a church. Yeah, and if you're ministering to any culture within the United States, within Romania, within Australia, there's going to be a positive change. But what Brent is talking about, I mean, they came out of the India, out of India, and the India already has a caste system, and it's already so biased, and it's so much to do with the ethnicity. There's one race, the human race. God loves the world. But within the world, we're brutal to our, ourselves and each other, and it's just wrong. So the gypsies really get a harsh rap pretty much wherever they go in the world. So that's probably why they stick to that one region so much, correct? Because they have more support? 
Yeah, that's probably that's probably a big part of it. You're right. Once as they spread out, then uh, yeah, they don't have people backing them up. I guess. Yeah, I mean, anywhere you go, if you go to Boston, if you go to LA, you know, you got Chinatown, and you have like yeah. the Italian section. People stick together in their groups for protection. There's always groups within groups. It's yeah. culture. It's nationalism. It's normal. It's just how things are. So it's so frustrating to see people be bigots. But yeah. sadly, I'm not saying it's okay. But we need to understand and like Brett is doing, Brent's doing it his wife. They're just going head in, loving it on them because they're the same as all of us. So now you're out there. You've been there six years, you said? Uh, seven years in the gypsy area, yeah. Seven years. So what's that journey been like? So bring us from there to today. Okay, so yeah, working in these gypsy villages has been something that I've loved um, because it's really cool. Even though these people are hated, uh, these are some of the most loving and kind and giving people that I've ever met, right? So they have the reputation as being liars and thieves, but my experience is that they are so loving and giving. Uh, we had a situation where I don't know, I don't know what happened. For some reason, they thought that I had no money and no food at one point <laughs> a couple of years ago. And, uh, so they're saying, uh, uh, like I, I pull into the village and uh, they stop my car. One of the guys stops my car and I roll down the window and he's like literally yelling at me saying, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us that you needed help? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like I've, I've, you know, I've got groceries in my fridge. Don't worry. So I pull into the church parking lot and somebody else comes before I get out of the car yelling at me. Why didn't you tell us about the, I, I don't know where this rumor happened. You know, I got this idea, but they're all like really mad. I get out of the car, a third person, same thing. And finally, I'm like, listen, you guys don't have anything. You guys don't have money. You guys don't have hardly any food. What would you have done even if I needed help? And they're like, we would have gone door to door. We would have figured it out. We all would have pitched in and we all would have helped. And that's the mentality that these people have, even within their village. Somebody needs help. They're helping each other. Even though they're poor and have nothing, they're trying to help other people. It's just amazing the way these people are. And so um, even though they're, even though they're so just picked on and harshly treated, they have a more biblical model than most countries in the world from what it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, our main church is in uh, Mircha. That's the student I was talking about that wanted help planning churches. Our main church is in his village. And uh, those people have become absolute family for us. Um, you know, sometimes they're not, uh, gypsies aren't always accepting of, of outsiders, but because I had friends in there and connections, um, we've been able to make inroads and really become family. Um, so, um, I've enjoyed seeing them, not just, you know, understanding the basics of the word of God, but seeing them really grow and understand and learn and seeing them change in their lives over these last few years. Um, so I was sitting with some of them uh, about a year ago and looking back over it and they were saying, man, like even we notice how much we have been able to change because of the word of God over these last few years. And so it's just it's been a, like an amazing blessing just to see what God has been doing in these villages. That's fantastic. So between your birth and today, Brent, no, no easy, easy area, right? Is there anything we skipped in your story, anything significant you want to share or talk about before we move on to where are you today and where are you in the ministry headed for Christ so us as a community and listeners can help? Um, no, I think, that, <laughs> I think that pretty much covers my life up until this point. All right. And just so I know, how many kids do you have total right now? We have five. So I've got two of them are actually at Pensacola right now. Uh, I've got another one that's going there next year. Then I have a freshman in high school, and then I have a first grader. <laughs> nice. Got the gambit there. Yeah. You got to give them my number, man. That way, if they need anything, I'm about 30 minutes away if they need anything. Oh, absolutely. That'd be awesome. That'd yeah, be awesome. man. So, all right. So let's do this. I told the listeners at the beginning, we're going to be asking for money. Yeah. Heard the ministry. You feel compelled. Brent, what are you trying to accomplish right now currently? And how can we help? And the truth is, we can help through prayer. We can help by contributing time. And we can also help by funding it. 
So what are you working on right now that you could use funds for and prayer? And even if people maybe want to come out there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. So I've got, I've got two big things that are going on right now. Um, for the last couple of years, we've been uh, looking into buying a property to build a camp. Uh, nothing huge, just a camp where uh, we can bring in orphans, we can bring in gypsies, we can bring in some of the poor people from the country, uh, you know, for a week of camp. And um, for the last couple of years, we've been looking for the property, but it goes back to the will of God again. Uh, we kept looking at properties and I never had that peace. I never had that you know, God-given desire, like, yes, this is the property. And then uh, something really cool happened here just a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, there was, there's a lady that has a ministry um, about an hour from here where she takes the orphans that have gone through the orphanages, they've hit 18 and they get kicked out of the orphanages. And so she has kind of a halfway house, I guess you could call it, where she takes them in, helps uh, them find jobs, helps teach them how to, you know, survive in society. And then they go on from there. Well, she wanted to buy some uh, solar panels for her, her halfway house. And uh, she wanted to sell a piece of land, but she wanted to sell this land to a church or a Christian organization. So I got talking to her and her dream for this land was actually a camp. I said, man, that is exactly what I want to <laughs> do. I want this land for a camp. And so this piece of land, uh, we went and looked at it and I was trying to figure out a price. I was like, man, she could sell this for like 30,000 euros easily, probably more. And I got talking to her and she said, if you're going to build a camp, I want to sell this to you for 15,000 euros. But I was like, man, that's yes, this is the one. <laughs> so that, that was the first time where God really said, this is the land. This is the one. Um, so she wanted me to raise $5,000. Um, so that she could buy her solar panels. And she said, the other 10,000 can come in a little bit later, no problem. Uh, so we were able to raise that 5,000, but I still need the 10,000 to pay off the uh, property. And then once we have that, of course, you know, things really start getting expensive. We'll have to start putting up buildings and, you know, all the paperwork that needs to be done and all that kind of stuff. So getting this camp up and running, uh, that's one of our big projects right now. So that was actually trying to find the camp property and everything was going to be my big focus once I got back here to Romania about a month ago. But the war in Ukraine kind of changed everything. Um, a lot of our focus now is trying to help the, the, the Ukrainians. Uh, early in the war, refugees were flooding into Romania. And uh, so I was trying to raise money and, and help uh, get places set up where these uh, refugees could sleep and eat and get some clean clothes and get set up with uh, visas and paperwork to travel. Um, and, but now the refugees, there's not as many coming across the border, but Ukrainian villages are filled with refugees. So they've left like the, the really uh, front lines of the war and have gone to other places in uh, Ukraine. So we've been going over into Ukraine now and taking supplies to them. We've been taking supplies to hospitals. There are hospitals that don't have the medicines that they need for, like they don't have pain medications. They don't have uh, antiseptics and stuff like that. Um, I was there a couple of weeks ago and the, we dropped some meds off at a hospital and the hospital told us the meds that we took the last time, uh, they used those to operate on 50 wounded soldiers that ended up in that hospital. So we're trying to get the hospital set up. Uh, we're trying to even help out the soldiers. Um, we bought shovels for them so they can build their trenches. Um, we, we got invited to a secret military base over there. And um, they told us we're welcome anytime. And we asked them what they need. And uh, they're talking about, you know, winter's coming. They need like thermal underwear. They need gloves. They need first aid kits. They need, I mean, all this stuff. Um, so we're just trying to raise money to do whatever we can to help the hospitals, the soldiers, the, the refugees that are over there in Ukraine. Yeah. And I want to bring up a point about that because the truth is we can't believe almost anything we hear in the media, but yeah. the truth is Ukrainian people are awesome. Russian people are awesome. American people are awesome. Romanian people are awesome. All the nations of the world, people are people and they're good people for the most part. But you have Biden in America extorting Americans from, you know, billions of dollars, sending it to the Ukraine. And where's that money going? 
It's, it's so corrupt and the end users are not getting that money. So when you support people like Brent, who's hand delivering it to the real Ukrainian people who need it, you're really making a difference. So please, you know, stop swallowing the government Kool-Aid. That's just going for their escapades. You get a few bad people that are causing chaos for the rest of the good people. Yeah. Forget them. Go first lines. Donate money to people you trust, like Brent, so he can make sure it gets to the real people who need it. So that's awesome, Brent. Now, if someone wanted to go ahead. So I was gonna say with with us, it's just it's just me and a couple friends, and um, so any of the money that comes in, we're not taking any of it, right? I, I have churches that support me. We talked about that already. Um, so a hundred percent of the money that comes goes to Ukraine or, or goes to buy supplies to take to Ukraine. There is, it's not like we don't take a 10% cut. We don't take a 1% cut. A hundred percent of the money that comes goes to Ukraine. Now, if somebody wanted to donate, what's the best way to get your money and get it to the people? Yeah. So, and again, money's a tool, money equals supplies, money equals medicine, money equals food. So just yeah. keep that in your mind. Money's just a currency. It means nothing. It really means nothing. So, but yeah. Brent, how do they get it to you so you can get good to the people? Yeah. So the, the way that it gets to me quickest right now and easiest is probably through PayPal. Um, you can just use my email address. It's Brent Sarah. So B-R-E-N-T-S-A-R-A at hotmail.com. Uh, so through PayPal, it gets to me quickly. Um, if you need a tax receipt, I can't give out a tax receipt that way. If you need a tax receipt, you can give it through my mission board. Uh, so the website for the mission board is BMFP. It's Baptist Mission of Forgotten People. So BMFP.org. And there will be a spot to donate. And then in the instructions, just put my name and put camp or put my name and put Ukraine. And uh, that money will go towards uh, wherever you designate it for. And we'll put a link in the show notes, but it can be as simple as jumping on your PayPal right now. Pause this episode. Yes. Brent, Sarah. Was it Brent, Sarah and numbers or just Brent, Sarah at Hotmail? Just Brent, Sarah at Hotmail.com. Nice. And then you PayPal it over and it's done. All right. Yeah. Well, Brent, I love you, man. I'm so happy that you and Sarah are doing well and your kids and your children, not kids. You don't have goats. <laughs> um, and things are going well. Thanks for being on the show today. But between, again, your birth and today or where you're heading, anything else you want to cover before we close up this episode of the podcast? No, I, I mean, I guess one, one little piece of advice that kind of goes along with all of this, and it's something that I'm, I'm thankful that I learned during my life. I think the way I learned it is being over here and I see the poverty and I see now I see a war zone and I've had the opportunity to see these things. I very quickly realized, like Dave, you've mentioned, money is just a tool and we need to start thinking outside of ourselves. We need to understand there are hurting people, there are needing people all over the world. When this war in Ukraine first started, I had people sending me money like crazy, but unfortunately, out of sight, out of mind. You know, in America, this war, you know, a lot of people, I think, don't even realize it's still going on anymore. Um, so we got to get out of ourselves and start realizing there are people all over this world that are hurting and need help. And we can experience so much fulfillment when we just show the love of Christ to people around the world. Those are incredible words for us to close the episode with thoughts to meditate on. And please, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have a lot, if you don't have the money, pray. If you have the money, give, if you have the time, join Brent, you know, yeah. I'm sure Brent, you're not going to be uh, turning down people willing to help. Right. No, I love it. When people come visit, I'll tell yeah. you what, when people come visit, then it opens their eyes and it opens their hearts. It makes a big change in people's lives when they actually come over and see what's going on over here. Yeah. Yeah. So reach out to Brent. You already got his email address. We'll put links yeah. in the show notes and Brent, you truly are a remarkable man. I'm thank God you're my <laughs> friend. And I appreciate you being here today, brother. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate what you're doing to help us uh, take care of these uh, ministries. And uh, hopefully uh, sometime in the next few years, we'll get to see each other face to face. 
Yeah, definitely. If you come down to visit your kids, stop by. Yeah. And then um, definitely let's get together. And then I don't normally mention the dates in the show. And you're going to see Brent's going to be in the mission field for a long time. But today is August 20th, 2022. So this is an update as of that date. Reach out yeah. to Brent if you want future updates. I'm guessing, do you have a mailing list that people can subscribe to to get monthly updates or quarterly updates? Yeah, yeah. I send out an update about every two months. Just drop me an email, say you want to be added to the mailing list and I'll get you on it for sure. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. So ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it. I told you we're going to ask you for money. <laughs> if you can contribute, contribute. It's not for me. It's not for Brent. It's for people to be helped and not in just temporal ways, but in eternal ways. So they yeah. can be saved from hell and attorney in the lake of fire and they can have peace, joy, and love forever with Christ and just eternity. So that's it. I'm David Pasqualone. This was Mr. Brent George. Thanks for joining us for the Remarkable People podcast. And like our slogan says, don't just listen to this great information and content, but do it each day. Repeat it every day so you can have a great life and more importantly, an eternity to come. So thanks for being here. And Brent, thank you again, my friend. All right. Thank you. All right. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life.